This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create positive change in the world every day by being a conscious consumer. I'm your host, Laura Alexandra Wittig, founder of Brightly.eco, and I started this podcast a few years ago because I wanted a place to talk about the gray areas around sustainability and how being a conscious consumer can be challenging and confusing but it's totally doable. So join me in the name of reducing waste and living positively in the name of the planet. Good Together listeners, it's Laura, and I have some really exciting news to share. We've been on an incredible journey together, exploring a wide range of topics with some awesome guests talking about sustainability. And now, after bringing you years of laughter, insights, and really thought-provoking conversations, the Good Together podcast has taken a short breather. This break is a chance for for me and the team to recharge and prepare even more fantastic content for you. So we're not going to be releasing new episodes for just a little bit, but I encourage you to dive into some of our most beloved episodes from the past. And remember, this break is just a temporary pause. We'll be back before you know it with fresh perspectives, new guests, and of course, the same Good Together vibe that you know and love. I'm so grateful for your continued support and for being a part of our podcasting journey now years long. You all make the Good Together community truly special. So until we're back with brand new episodes, take care, stay curious, and keep spreading those planet positive vibes. All right. So Good Together listeners, I'm really excited to speak with Jonah Shine today um, because when it comes to environmental footprints, our water use is really deserving of a serious conversation. So Jonah is a self-professed water nerd. I love that. We're going to get into it. (laughs) Um, And he's also the national program manager for homes and buildings at the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA, as we all know it. Um, And there's a a program there that that Jonah works uh, on called WaterSense. And WaterSense actually certifies products and services that use at least 20% less water and they save energy. So Jonah and WaterSense are really um, aiming to educate the public about the finite nature of water, along with ways that we can all easily increase our efficiency around water usage, um, you know, such as using our kitchen sink more efficiently. So welcome to the podcast, Jonah. I wonder if you can just do a brief intro of yourself and, and WaterSense. Well, but thank you so much, Laura. It's great to be here. Uh, you did a great job le- leading into it. Uh, you know, as you said, WaterSense is a program. You can think of us as being a lot like Energy Star, but we okay. focus on saving water. Um, so you can you can find the label on things like plumbing products, toilets, faucets, shower heads, as well as irrigation products. One of the things we're really proud of of the WaterSense label is that we specify not only efficiency requirements but also performance. And so, you know, if you've been around a little bit, and I'm not trying to age anyone here, but remember <laughs> sort of the, the first generation low flow shower heads? Yes. Oh, gosh. Those things were rough. <laughs> yeah. They didn't work great. Uh, yeah. You know, and we, can, and we can tease that out now. And we believe that our, our manufacturer partners have it in them to, to design products that not 
only save water, but were also keep us out of sitcom episodes about how badly they work. Oh yes. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so again, you know, we're, we're really proud of the fact that not only do water sense labeled products save water, but you can be confident they're going to perform. And then we do a whole lot of other things as well. We have a, uh, a, a water sense labeled homes program where we work with builders of, of new homes so we can build all that efficiency right from the start. And we're constantly working to educate the public and, and make sure they really understand just how precious of a resource water is. And honestly, how precarious of a situation we're in right now. Yeah, I was going to, you know, ask you a little bit about maybe the history behind the WaterSense program. So it, from our uh, research we were doing before the podcast, it looks like WaterSense has actually been around since 2006. Um, and, you know, um, estimates are, are, are thinking that WaterSense so far has helped consumers save over 6.4 trillion gallons of water um, and more than $135 billion in water and energy bills. So not only um, is water sense out here doing some really great work in terms of education and also you know helping to provide people with better solutions that actually work which by the way folks eco-friendly products can work just as well as their non-eco-friendly counterparts so i love that this is a part of your program jonah but the thing that i thought was so interesting was like thinking about the history and like wondering a little bit about um you know why the epa decided to start this program oh that's a that's a great question and, um, you know, we're, we're so proud of those, those savings numbers, but WaterSense exists really at its core because, uh, the, because water utilities and water agencies, the EPA's constituents and important stakeholders asked for this type of program. Uh, and, and I think one of the reasons they, they asked for that is back in the early 2000s, right? So first generation low flow plumbing devices came around in the 90s. We all know how that went. By the early 2000s, we started to figure it out a little bit, and uh, and utilities who have a tremendous interest, which I think we'll we'll get into a little bit, and mm -hmm. reducing water consumption and saving water, wanted to incentivize them, but it was really hard to do. There there weren't that many high performing, high efficiency products on the market, and each individual jurisdiction, each each utility would sort of have to come up with their own criteria. Interesting. And that was that was really hard for them to do, and it drove the manufacturers insane. Mm, yep, I can I can see it now. <laughs> so so that's really the that's really the source of WaterSense. Uh, you know, we're here to really define what does an efficient product look like. What does an efficient home look like? What does it mean to be high performing and high efficiency? Like you said, eco friendly products can work just as well, but we can get there a lot more easily if we sort of get everyone on the same page and agree what that looks like, and then we can operate at scale. Yeah, I mean, this to me is one of the best examples, right, of the federal government working as intended, which is like trying to get you know, all of the regional um, you know, you know, utility um, owners and, and things of that nature to you know, have a centralized uh, you know, definition of you know, criteria for you know, things like water usage. Like, I, I think People, if you've not experienced government, um, I I actually majored in political science in college. I I went uh, was at did a lot of work state government for a while, and government agencies like they do the best that they possibly can, especially at like the state and local level. But a lot of times, like there's just like every other job, there's so many more problems than there are resources, and so you know big problems like 
trying to tackle water usage in a more responsible way oftentimes get overlooked because there's just not enough time the day to, to dedicate, um, you know, resources towards them. So I feel like when we're, you know, um, you know, as a country, as we're trying to pay more attention to, you know, the average consumer, um, you know, consumption, as it were, of, of natural resources that are limited, like water, to me, this makes a lot of sense to be able to just say, look, here's, here, we're going to tackle this from a centralized perspective, and we're going to provide guidance. Um, and so, you know, from my perspective, I was curious to know, too, um, you know, I'm, what is the is the reason behind uh, why consumers should actually be paying attention to our water footprint other than, you know, maybe our uh, city government says, hey, you know, they send us like a flyer. <laughs> hey, like we, you should really uh, cut off your water use. Curious to know a little bit about how you you think about the messaging to consumers, um, you know, across the United States. Oh, sure. Well, you know, first and foremost, we, you know, we most of us care about costs and water is still relatively affordable, but it's been skyrocketing. Uh, lately. And, you know, so it's not as cheap as it used to be. Um, it, it's certainly, you know, expensive enough in certain parts of the country to create to create a strain. But one of the reasons water, you know, the cost of water has been going up so dramatically recently is because the pressures we feel on a societal level. And at the end of the day, we all live here, um, right? We, you know, we have a finite amount of water. Yep. We have more people to support to support with that limited water supply. It's not always, you know, the fresh water that we want for for our homes and our businesses. It's not always where we need it. And on top of that, our infrastructure is getting older and older all the time. And so, Absolutely. yeah, you know. And so again, you know, as a as as communities, as as societies, we we all have this vested interest in using water as efficiently as possible. Absolutely, and we, um, you know. If you've previously listened to the podcast, you know that we love to talk, you know, about statistics. And for me, one that I found to be really interesting is just thinking about our daily usage of water. And so um, a statistic we found said that each American uses an average of 82 gallons of water each day at home. Um, so that is, that's a lot. Um, and that's, you know, something that we're doing without even thinking about it. And I love that you talked a little bit about the cost perspective because, you know, at the time of this recording, we are, you know, experiencing inflation. We're experiencing costs rising kind of across the board for pretty much everything. And I can actually remember um, my husband and I, um, we, uh, he was in the Navy for quite a few years. He no longer is. We did a lot of moving around and I can remember seeing how different um, our water bill would be priced at just kind of based on where we were in the country. Um, and as somebody who, you know, spent most of my life in Texas, uh, water there was like relatively, I mean, Texas cost of living is, you know, relatively cheaper compared to a lot of the other parts of the United States. So I had never really thought about the cost of water. And then, yeah, as I, you know, became an adult, started paying my own bills and, and, and living in different regions, I was always kind of blown away at the variance um, in, in the water and also the quality. I mean, my husband and I are in Seattle now, but we um, previously were in um, San Francisco for quite a few years. And there's a reservoir out there called the Hetch Hetchy Reservoir. I'm sure you're very familiar with that, Jonah. <laughs> um, but the Hetch Hetchy Reservoir has like this pristine water. Like it, it's so tasty. Like I, I was just always like blown away by like how good it tasted just coming straight out of the tap. And so, yeah, I guess it's just a funny thing for us to, to think about as, you know, citizens of the United States, like, it, you know, 
we have a variety of water sources. Some of them are more constrained than others, which leads to different quality, like you mentioned, and different costs. So, you know, I, maybe, you know, you and I, I, I guess I'm becoming a water nerd as we're talking about it too, but um, hey, I, I find it pretty interesting. <laughs> well, it's good to have you. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Uh, no, and you're 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 absolutely right. You know, one of the other things to to consider is we see huge variability in how we're we're built for water. I always find one of the challenges when I talk about cost of water, it people have it's almost like they think there's some like water baron out there who's pocketing all this cash. Yeah, uh, yeah. From, from charging <laughs> our, our water rates, and you know, our our water systems are mostly public. I mean, they're 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 owned by municipalities, they're owned by semi governmental organizations, they're supported by the states and the and the federal government, we collectively, we're the only ones to pay for this. So whether or not you pay for it on your water bill or you, you pay for it through other government programs and taxes, we are, you know, it's like death taxes and you're going to pay for water. Yep. One way or the other. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So this is why it makes sense for us to be more cautious and, um, you know, more understanding of how we consume it. Um, and one piece that I thought was interesting before we get into like, the, the things that consumers themselves can do. Um, obviously, we're also, you know, at the time of this recording, coming into a, an interesting time in the housing market. There was quite a boom, you know, during the pandemic and, you know, up until recently where all sorts of activities going on in the market, whether it was the buying and selling of homes or even the building of new homes. And so we, as we we're doing some research, we, we, we noticed that in some previous interviews, you've really mentioned the need for home builders to consider water as they're designing homes. So uh, we found that to be really interesting, and I mean, who knows, if, if, listeners? If you're if you're planning on building a house, this might be interesting. But if if you're interested in just architecture, I'm curious to know, Jonah. Like, what do you what do you mean when you ask builders to do that when they're when they're designing homes? Oh, sure. Well, you know, I I, I think building and, and the home building industry sort of exists at the the junction of sort of three crises right now. We you know we we talked about a little bit about infrastructure and all of the money we have to pay to. Uh, you know, that we have coming due to maintain and upgrade our infrastructure. We know water is an issue and we've seen what's happened in the drought out West and how dire the situation yep. is, is getting there. And it's, we, you know, we're in a housing crisis as well. Anyone who's paid rent or tried to purchase a home or paid a mortgage will, can attest to that. Uh, you know, a lot of that's driven by the fact we don't have enough housing. We want to add housing, but that adds burden to our existing infrastructure and our existing resources. So, you know, one of the reasons I feel really strongly, we even have a whole part of the WaterSense program that, that works with builders to design homes as efficiently as possible, is this is the, uh, the, the best intervention point we have to make sure that we're building efficiency in from the start. So, yes, we're going to add housing. We know that's going to add to the demand on our water resources and our infrastructure, but we're going to do it in a way that mitigates the, mitigates the impact. We do that in two ways. Number, you know, one, well, we were, you know, you were, you were already going to buy plumbing products and appliances for that home, right? You were already going to fill it with toilets and yep. and dishwashers and clothes washers. So let's let's take, you know, the minimal, if any, incremental cost of making sure that they're good products. The other is that there's design features that are really difficult to retrofit that we can address when we're when we're designing a house from the beginning. Um, you know, one of the examples I always like to like to use and Nobody thinks about it, but we've all experienced it, is how is the, the hot water distribution system, the plumbing, actually laid out? And yes. The reason, yeah, we, we've all experienced that because we've all waited for hot water to get to the shower. Yep. 
well, that's, you know, that water was hot. It, it was heated. We're watching it go down the drain. We're wasting a lot of water. We're wasting a lot of energy. It's just cooled off when it sit in the in the pipes because we've oversized the system. We haven't designed it well. Mm-hmm. We're not able to get hot water quickly from the the water heater to the point of use. Yeah, absolutely. And nobody wants to. I mean, nobody likes to sit there waiting for the water to get hot. But you're also like asking people to jump in and take a cold shower for the first, you know, <laughs> few minutes is is not super. You know, it's not super uh, user friendly either. So I've, I really I've had think very that's little success getting people to do that. <laughs> I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've also had very little success asking people to. Um, I know sometimes people say to like save that water like as it's uh as it's uh, getting warm to like save it and water your plants i mean hey that's like a great use case but again like that seems like a relatively big lift for most people (laughs) Uh, absolutely i mean i'm i'm all for it but you have to ask yourself well what how many people can we get to put a bucket in the shower and you know take it outside and water their garden with after the fact if that's even plausible for them versus you know if we can actually design high performing homes and high-performing systems so that your your hot water does get there really quickly, we're probably going to reach a lot more people. Well, and there's also these really interesting innovations, like you're mentioning earlier, with around technology. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a second when we talk about dishwashers, because I think I think that's always a really fun topic. But um the, you know, I've always been interested in understanding like there's new innovations in um, like on-demand water, hot water heaters that are really actually very small um, and can be placed across, you know, by directly, you know, where they need to be, right? So they're not traveling those long distances. And, you know, there, there's all sorts of really cool innovations. But like you mentioned earlier, if they're not thought about from the beginning, when you're thinking about, you know, the construction of a new home, they can be really, really difficult to retrofit. Um, and, you know, if, if you've ever had an older home and tried to make improvements to it, you'll know what you're talking, what I'm talking about. Like you're oftentimes constrained about the way the house is originally constructed. Um, my home, very interesting enough thing about water. Uh, my home was built in the late forties, early fifties. Um, and we actually have radiant heating um, with, you know, water pipes in our ceiling, which is crazy. It was, this was just some kind of goofy thing they were testing out at the time, but we like our heating system is, is uses water and it goes throughout our entire walls. So like when we went to, we, we didn't know this. And so thank goodness we ended up not cutting through one of those pipes. So you can imagine how much of a awful situation that would have been to have water just kind of, you know, leaking through our ceilings. But yeah, we like literally tried to put up, um, a canned light and thank goodness we're able to see what was going on before we started making lots of cuts. But I tell this story just to let listeners know, like, you know, if you hear us talking about some cool stuff and you think, well, oh yeah, like, yeah, let me, let me try and do that to my house. Of course, do the investigation and and, and look and see what's possible. But unfortunately, a lot of times it's not right. Uh, absolutely. And, and you're going to laugh, but I've actually went through, uh, found this exact system that you just described in my in-laws house recently. Oh my God. That's so um, funny. Yeah. I've never heard of it before. <laughs> yeah, it, unfortunately they found out because it started leaking and oh. it created a lot of damage. Yeah. Um, yeah. So leaks are no fun. They're not good for anybody. No, that, that, that's totally true. And so on, on the topic of, you know, technology in our homes that can really help us reduce our water waste, we already kind of talked about low flow shower heads. And like you said, they, they've definitely come a long way. And so those are that's something that you know folks can check out and and see what works for them. But we at at Brightly and Good Together, we get so many questions actually about 
dishwashing. Like there's like this funny um, myth where people think that hand washing dishes is less wasteful because I don't know why, maybe because it seems more old school. And so that's interesting to them. Maybe it's because they think, well, you know, I'm going to reuse the water. So, I mean, obviously there's a lot of variances in the way that people wash dishes by hand too. So it's, it's kind of hard to make the generalization, but we do know um, that the, you know, the dishwasher is actually the way to go, right? Absolutely. And as you said, there's, you know, there's some variability here. Um, but, you know, in general, a, a, a dishwasher, especially a high performing water efficient, energy efficient dishwasher is going to be the way to go for, for most people. There's a more complicated answer, of course, that, that gets into all of those, well, what if uh, scenarios, but it's, it's really hard to beat the, the, the efficiency of a, of a dishwasher. You know, a modern dishwasher uses somewhere between a gallon and a half to uh, five gallons is the most that, uh, that is the most water per cycle? use. Per cycle? Per cycle wow. is the most people use in a dishwasher in the U.S. Uh, for sale right now. There's some yeah. older models out there that, that could be users. Use, uh, use that might still be in use. Our friends in Energy Star um, uh, labeled dishwashers. We don't label them in water sense, but but water efficiency is part of their criteria, and we work together on that. And they have a maximum use of three and a half gallons wow. per, uh, per per cycle. That's like that's, mind blowing. Think about how big a, most people's dishwashers are, and all the dishes are in there. So that's so cool that they're able to reuse that water through the whole cycle. Yeah, and that's for a you know, full size dishwasher. By definition, is Eight plate, eight place settings, and I actually I wrote this down because I'm not sure people know what eight place settings mean, but but here it is. You ready for it? Yeah, let's let's hear it's, it. And it's eight cups, eight saucers, eight dinner plates, eight bread and butter plates, eight fruit bowls, eight straight side iced tea glasses, eight dinner wow. forks, eight salad forks, eight knives, sixteen teaspoons. One platter, two serving bowls, two serving spoons, and one serving fork. I was like, he's still going, folks. Like, oh my what? gosh. So that is so that that amount of dish of dishware is supposed to be um, you know, is is in in theory can be washed by three gallons of water. That's crazy. Like, or less. And, <laughs> or and less. if you're doing it by hand, you know, well, you know, kitchen sinks flow at about two point two gallons uh, per water at a maximum. Usually when you're using it, you're actually using it a little below that. So okay. usage is probably somewhere more like 1.75 gallons per minute. Per minute though, folks. Like, yeah, like let's, let's say that, let's be really clear per minute, right? Per and minute. can you imagine how long it would take you to wash that much stuff by hand? So, and again, this is one of those things people say, well, I'm really efficient with it. You know, I'm yeah, really I know. Quick, it's like a know? badge of pride or something. It's like, we're like trying to, yeah, trying to say they're like a bad person or something. It's like, no, no. <laughs> no. No, and you know, I can't I can't prove that you're not more efficient than a than a dishwasher, but I probably wouldn't bet on you. Um, I feel like that'd be a good not. like uh we need to get this happening on some kind of like talk show, right? Like we we need like the hosts to try and like beat a dishwasher or something as they're washing dishes or something. To me oh. it seems like a good a good PR campaign, right? But no, anyway, it should be a fun contest. But just kidding. Nobody's gonna be able to beat a dishwasher, folks. I don't think that's possible. I also was saying um to Doreen, who's our podcast producer here at Brightly, um, there to me, there's like very few things that are as relaxing as getting all of those dishes into the dishwasher. So getting my my kitchen clean and then turning it on and just kind of listening to that gentle hum. Like I love the efficiency. I love the outsourcing. I'm not having to do it. Yeah. Hey, I love it. <laughs> exactly. 
Yeah. So um, aside from investing in an energy efficient dishwasher, what are some other simple ways that listeners can start conserving water right now? Well, staying on the subject of, of dishwashing, there, there's some caveats, right? Okay. Some things we can do to make sure that we're realizing those savings, right? So number one, you, you want full loads, right? It's uh, most dishwashers are going to use that, whatever it is, if it's three gallons, three and a half gallons, five gallons, two gallons per cycle. Um, there's some technology out there that can actually adjust and with sensors, but it's fairly, uh, you know, fairly rare in the, in the market or, or a little more on the, on the higher end side of things. So you don't want to eat into your savings by running half empty dishwasher loads. The other thing you want to be careful about doing is you know, don't pre-wash your dishes. That's, that's what the dishwasher is for. Scrape them clean, get the, get the food junk off of there. Um, you know, you, you you can't expect the dishwasher to do everything, but you you don't want to sort of use as much water as you would have used to hand wash them, and then put them through. Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good tip, and it's definitely one that I'm guilty of, right? Like I think, yeah. It, and now, granted, I do usually try and scrape as much off as I possibly can. We also have a really nice um, composter here at our house that's that's helpful for those for, for putting food scraps in. But you're right. I think sometimes there's like a a temptation to want to do that pre-washing. And you're, you're, you're also right in terms of like the modern dishwashers actually do a pretty darn good job at, um, you know, getting rid of that stuff um, without you having to pre-wash. Absolutely. This is one of the reasons uh, guests at my, at my home are not welcome to do, to, to, to do the dishes. <laughs> I, I appreciate the offer, but you know, this, this is what I do for a living. It's important to me. Yeah. I'm just not willing to risk the pre-wash. There you uh, go. You can't, maybe, you maybe need a big sign by your sink now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, what are some other things that people can do? Well, you know, of course, one of the things we really try to emphasize is look for WaterSense labeled products. As I said, that's the, that's the program's designed to make it really easy for people that are in the market for, for plumbing products or irrigation products uh, or some of the other product categories that, 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 we, that we offer the label in to make it really easy to find those high efficiency, high performing products that are going to help you save water, often will help you save energy and are going to perform well. And I was going to ask you too, Jonah, like uh, how are products certified this way? Um, do they undergo testing? Like tell, tell our listeners a little bit more about how a product actually achieves that certification. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great question. They are tested. Uh, you know, all, every product that bears the WaterSense label is third-party certified again, both for efficiency and performance. So that's criteria that, um, that, that we've written at the EPA, at the, at the WaterSense program, exactly what the test protocol is and, uh, and how it works. We work with a uh, network of international certification bodies because, um, of course, as you, I'm sure, are aware, manufacturing doesn't you know, all happen locally. Yep. Uh, it happens all over the world, so we need to be able to, to respond to that. They function sort of under our uh, under our auspices in the certification scheme. Um, they do not only the initial testing but also monitoring because uh, a product line, you know, yes, it's you know, these are assembly line products. They, you know, the same thing gets gets built again and again. There is some tolerance involved, right? Something might change in the assembly process, and that might impact the efficiency. Uh, different components might change over time, and that might and that might change. So. It's it's important that it's not just a one-time test. Um, I think you know that the test is what people can easily conceive of when they when we talk about certification. 
but it's actually a whole pro- ongoing process. It's a lot more than that. And again, it's it's all revolves around the around the goal of making sure that when you walk into the store or, or when you're looking for a product as a consumer and you see the WaterSense label, you know you're going to get the efficiency and the performance that we've promised you. That's great. And yes, of course, we get so many questions um, on this podcast about certifications to look for when um, out shopping for things, because we do talk a lot about conscious consumerism. So I'm glad that listeners are, you know, learning more about the WaterSense certification so that they can when they're out, you know, needing to do some of these replacements or, you know, if they're fortunate enough to be designing a new bathroom or, you know, parts of a new home that they can really think about that. Um, Another, you know, tip that I know you had listed here that I find to be really interesting um, because it's it's an actionable thing that people can do around their house for free, um, which is fixing leaks. So tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Like, why is it important to fix leaks? And like, why you have a whole week called fix a leak week? Is that we, right? <laughs> we spend a whole week on it. And, All right. You know, nobody thinks their house has leaks. Yes, you're right. No, my house is fine. I have zero yeah. leaks. I'm perfect. <laughs> You know, I, I, I wish I could tell you that was true, but it yeah, might not be. No, no um, it's totally not true. <laughs> and, you know, when we when we think of leaks, we tend to think of, you know, I think the, the image that comes to mind is, well, for me right now, it's my it's my in-law's heating system. There you go. And they're sealing mm-hmm. and, and flooding their home. But, you know, I always say it's like the flooded basement. That's what comes yes, to mind when, yes. we, when we think of leaks. And that happens. And that's, um, you know, that's that's a really big deal when it does. In fact, you know, leaks are, if you talk to the home insurance companies, leaks are far and away the number one cost. Really? Uh, claims okay. From, claims, from, claims from water damage and leaks are their biggest concern. But it's, it's not just these big catastrophic leaks we have to be concerned about. It's also, you know, the faucet that you know, might not seem like a whole lot, but it's dripping constantly. And that, that water actually really adds up. Toilets are another place. Um, you know, toilets will leak and they'll leak down the drain. And so you don't necessarily notice that it's happening uh, because it's not creating damage and it's the water sort of staying where it's supposed to stay. Mm-hmm. But I mean, this, this could be on the magnitude of hundreds of gallons a day wow. uh, that, that you're using. I mean, nationally, we're, we, we think it's probably into, you know, close to a trillion gallons a year. A year um, being wasted through leaks. Wow. Yep. And that's just probably from the I would imagine that's probably from the less catastrophic ones, right? Like, you know, I would imagine these bigger events are responsible for even more, um, you know, water waste. And so I feel like, yeah, there's, there's, you know, you wanting to prevent something like that happening from, you know, a water usage and a cost perspective generally. But I also think it's interesting to think about these like kind of unknown leaks. So, so um, during Fix a Leak Week, is there, are there like, um, you know, educational videos or kind of content that people can uh, look up to like, you know, figure out how to even understand if they have a leak. We have all sorts of activities going on with our partners uh, around the com- around the country. So we have educational videos. Uh, we, you know, we, we try to help you. How do you find the leak? What do you do about it? How do you fix it? Whether or not it's a leaking faucet or uh, a, a leaking flapper uh, in, in a toilet. Um, and then our partners have local events all around everything from, you know, uh, you know, training events to to five Ks. We 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 ask people to outrun the leaks, um, I love which of it. course you can't do. <laughs> I, mean, I love it. Well, I mean, I think it's really important that you know the EPA is trying to you know give us actionable things to do in addition to obviously right. There's lots of regulation going on and and making sure that um, you know big corporations and you know. Uh, big companies are doing their part as well to make sure that they're, you know, conserving water. But, you know, at the end of the day, like we just said, I mean, you know, 
we are uh, utilizing lots of water every single day, right? 82 gallons of water each day individually. And so to, to think that this is not a problem that, that can be partially solved at the individual level is, is definitely not true. Um, so no, no, I can't believe we're like already at half an hour. Like I said, we probably could talk about water stuff all day long. I, you've got a new water nerd on your hands, but I'm um, curious to know, like as we wrap up, we typically like to ask our guests the same question um, because I find it fascinating to understand, you know, how people respond to this. So, so the question is like from where you sit either, you know, as the program manager for WaterSense um, at the EPA or as an individual, like what is exciting you the most about what you're observing in the sort of ethical and sustainable lifestyle movement going on right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. I think more than anything, it's the convergence we're seeing between what the decisions you might make because you're trying to make a, an ethical and sustainable decision and, and what you might make just because it's prudent and, yes. and a smart business decision. Yep. Uh, we're, we're just seeing that more more and more. And you know, I think water is one of those places you, you, you see it a lot, right? You know, we, I think it's important to save water for its own sake because water is an important resource and we, and we want to use it uh, efficiently. But then you also look around and you, you know, all those topics we talked about before, we, we have to save it because that's really the only solution that makes sense for us as communities. Absolutely. And I like that you tied it back to, um, you know, we also, we had the conversation around monetary and budgetary concerns as well, because, you know, remembering that, you know, our grandparents, our great grandparents, et cetera, like they have gone through different times in, in different economies where saving everything was a necessity. And so just thinking about how, you know, reuse is really a, you know, a nice, like almost frugal thing to do both for your, your, your wallet and the planet is something that's just, I think, really important right now as, as we, we think about what's going on in, in our economy. Um, but anyway, it was just, it was wonderful talking with you listeners. What we're going to do is we will link to um, the WaterSense program um, in our show notes. And there's going to be, you know, links in there. You could find out more about specific products and things like that via um, that website. Um, but Jonah, thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you so much for having me, Laura. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social media. You'll find us on almost everything at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.